My name is Keith Beavers, and yes, I did relive my childhood fantasies watching Cobra Kai Season 1, The Last Scene. It's incredible. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to Episode 9 of Vine Pair's Wine 101 Podcast, Season 2, of course. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the tasting director of Vine Pair. Hi! So what are your thoughts on Syrah? What do you know about Syrah? What is your relationships with Syrah? My relationship with this grape is insane. You guys, we gotta talk about Syrah. I know it was a thing and it's in Australia and it's... what What is this? What is it? This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Columbia Winery. As Washington's original premium winery, Columbia Winery proudly carries on a long legacy of discovering and celebrating exceptional Washington wine. Our rich history, as well as the distinct terroir of the great Columbia Valley, allows us to craft wines that embody Washington's unique spirit and curious nature. Columbia Winery offers a collection of rich and deliciously drinkable wines inspired by the diversity of Washington's best growing regions. Created through visionary winemaking and unrelenting curiosity, Columbia Winery. Deep, dark, brutish, spicy, savory. What is it? That, wine lovers, is Syrah. I know those are a bunch of like general terms. This is the thing. We're, in this season, we are going to have a whole episode on the Rhone. And when we talk about the Rhone, the southern and the northern Rhone, we're going to get real deep into that area. This is where Syrah is from. And it's really hard to talk about Syrah and not talk about the Rhone. But we're going to figure this out because I want you guys to understand how wonderful this variety is and what it does to your brain when you sip it in a certain way. Uh, let me, let me just, uh, okay, let me clarify. I absolutely love wines made from the grape Syrah, but it, okay, this is the thing about Syrah. It, as of 2010, it was the sixth most planted variety on the planet, like the sixth and this is the thing about Syrah. It's always kind of been that way with Syrah. I mean, it, it you know, I guess I'm really bad with orchestral stuff. You know, the first chair, second chair. Syrah is like the timpani drums. There's like It's like all the way in the back, just chilling, knowing how awesome it is, not needing all the attention that all the other varieties get. But when it's done in a certain way and it's, and it's in a lower yield, it commands your attention, Syrah. It's almost haunting how beautiful this variety is when it's turned into a wine on the lower yield side. Syrah for me is, if you will indulge me a second here, is like Han Solo. Roguish, rough around the edges, scruffy, like a nerf herder, lopsided grin. Did the Kessel run in 12 parsecs? Okay, went off the rails there for a second. But among and around all that toughness is an absolute charm. And that's what Syrah is. It's, 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 it's dark but charming. The trick with Syrah, though, is the higher the production rate goes, the, the, the quicker you lose those characteristics I was just talking about. I don't know if you, I've mentioned already twice in this episode, low yields. When we were talking about 
the Pinot Noir, Burgundy, we're talking about Pinot Noir. We were talking about like hectoliter per liter. Like at some point, uh, you know, if you harvest a lot of Pinot Noir, it starts to lose its subtlety. And there are grapes like Cabernet Sauvignon where in Chardonnay where you can harvest a lot of it and it still retains its character. Cabernet Sauvignon will always be Cabernet Sauvignon no matter what. You can actually just always, you know, uh, uh, recognize it. But with Syrah, as the production level goes up, you begin to not recognize the subtleties of the variety. And what it starts giving you instead is this soft, fruit-forward red wine. We experience this a lot when a ton, an ocean of Shiraz from Australia came onto our market. It started with Yellowtail. Of course, we all know Yellowtail. And the Syrah, or Shiraz, same grape, just different names. We'll get into that in a second. Um, the, the, those were not the you know, peppery, savory Syrah versions that, that I just talked about. But because of the popularity of Shiraz, that style became very popular. And the new world started kind of, you know, embracing that. But where Syrah is from, its birthplace, where it thrives the most, where it expresses itself the most, it shows something completely different. The only issue is the amount of wine that is made from the Syrah grape in the Northern Rhone in a little place called Hermitage, which we'll get into in, in another episode. It's a small place with small production. So you're, you're literally like, you're spending a ton of money on a wine that is absolutely going to blow your mind and change your life. The good news is surrounding that little area called Hermitage in the Northern Rhone, which we'll get into in another episode, are other areas that show Syrah on a similar level, but aren't as expensive in a really great way to get yourself into that realm of Syrah. And it, because it's in the Northern Rhone where Syrah was born, and the parents of Syrah are two varieties that we don't really talk about. Or it's just not on our, on our um, I mean, they're out there on the, on the market, but not like, you know, everywhere. The, the mother of Syrah is a grape called Mondeuse Blanche, which is around, but, you know, not a lot. And the other grape is called Duersa. Now, that, these two varieties are actually related to Pinot Noir, making Pinot Noir the grandparent of Syrah. So there's a separation there. It's like Syrah happened on its own, even though it has connections to Pinot Noir. And what it became was something completely different. And like any grape throughout history, it's had a few names. Like the word Syrah comes from the, I guess, multiple writings throughout history of this variety. And it's different. There was a, you know, it, it was called Siren. And basically what happened is when it was born, as it, as it arrived and was starting to be worked with in the Northern Rhone and spread down to the Southern Rhone and around, it got different names based on the dialects of the different areas in which the, the vine was grown. And this comes back to the story of Syrah versus Shiraz. In Australia, they call Syrah Shiraz, and it is the Syrah grape. The thing is, when James Busby in the 1830s brought a bunch of vine cuttings from Europe to Australia to basically begin the Australian wine industry, one of those cuttings was a Syrah vine. And there's not a lot of documentation about this, but it is mentioned and it's said that this is the way it was, so I will give it to you. I said it in the Australia episode that when he grabbed that Syrah vine from the Rhone and brought it to one of the, one of the vines and brought it to Australia, 
the the name of the grape at the time was Skiras, S-C-R-Y-S, S-C-R-Y-A-S. And the dialect or the accent of, of, of the Australian accent in New South Wales, where this all began, the Skiras became Shiraz or Shiraz. And not only did the name change, but because of the climate and the sun exposures and the, just the complete different geography of this part of Australia than, than the, the Rhone, of course, the Northern Rhone, the grape itself became something different. Because the, the yield for Syrah is one thing. Another thing is sun exposure. The more sun it gets, the big fatter it gets, and the more sugar it produces, the more so- the softer the wine is. So what... Australia created was a different style of Syrah. So it's just, it makes sense. They would call it, I mean, I mean, it was natural progression to call it Shiraz, but it's kind of cool how it turns. The name is different and the style is different based off the natural um, elements. The variety there has to work with. Did that make sense? I think that made sense. And I know this is going to be a general statement and people might get mad at me in the industry, but there, that kind of defines the two styles of Syrah in general. You have that dark charm that I was talking about. And then you have that fruit, soft, fruit forward style. And sometimes you have somewhere in between. So let me generally talk about where these are in the world. So you can go out there and try these wines and get a sense of this. Again, I'm going to mention Rhone stuff, but we're going to get deeper into that when we get into the Rhone episode. For the dark and brooding stuff that really cool savory stuff obviously where it was born is the best there's a big granite hill called hermitage and that is it that is the the, the, like literally the heart of syrah and the surrounding areas you have a place called saint joseph or saint joseph also gets a little bit towards those sort of dark charmy vibes and then a surrounding hermitage is a larger appellation called crow's hermitage that will also give you those sort of like savory vibes. That's sort of like, it goes from like the, the hill of Hermitage out a little bit. And that is kind of the heart, the beating heart of Syrah. Now there are some places outside of this area of the world where you could get, you still can get that sort of dark savory charm of Syrah. The closest to that area is a very large wine growing region in Southern France called Landoc. It's called the Landoc Roussillon. And there are Appalachians throughout that area that just do beautiful Syrah. They often blend it with Grenache and Movedra, but they have it still gives that sort of like nice savory vibe. There's actually a really awesome wine growing region down there called Pic Saint Lou, and wow, the wines are awesome. You're going to see them around, but they're still not as prevalent on the market. But the the place that I think is very exciting for Syrah that that the the country the United States needs to recognize is Washington State. Washington State can produce Syrah on that dark, charm, savory level. It's, it, the thing is, Washington State was very popular for Riesling for a long time, and then it became popular for Cabernet Sauvignon, and now it's really killing it with the red blends. But quietly, I think, I've talked to some winemakers in, in, um, in Washington, and they're very excited about Syrah. We just don't, we just don't see a lot of it out on our market, and I feel like we have to go to Washington to get it, but I have tasted some Syrahs from Washington State that really give me that dark, savory vibe. It's very cool, and I'm really hoping that more Syrah of that style come out onto the market because I think it would be 
awesome for us as a wine drinking culture. <laughs> now, the Syrah coming out of California doesn't often reach this sort of savory level. It's often more on that fruit forward vibe and it can be blended with Merlot or something like that. There are places in California that have small production levels of Syrah that are very meaty. I shouldn't say meaty. I don't want to say meaty. You guys know what I mean. But it has that peppery sort of rosemary thing going on as well. And it's not really a, a specific place or region in California or even in the United States. It's just that when you see a Syrah from the United States, like outside of Washington state, maybe, you know, if it's more, if it's a more expensive Syrah, it's probably going to be slower production and sort of have those sort of savory vibes to them. I mean, Syrah came to California, I think in the late 1800s. So it's been there for a long time and don't get confused. If you see a, a, a wine that has the petite Syrah, it's a different, you know, it's a petite and S I R A H. It's not the original spelling of Syrah. That's a completely different grape. It's, it's actually a grape called Durif, D-R-U-I-F. Yes, it has a relationship to Syrah, but it is not Syrah. There's actually a bunch of grapes that were brought over to California at one point, and they were all called Durif. <laughs> Durif. And uh, the DNA profiling through UC Davis uh, found that it is, there's a bunch of these Durif, Durif grapes that are actually different varieties. So if you see Petite Syrah... It's a grape, it makes wine, but it's not the Syrah grape. It doesn't have those vibes. But one thing you will, will not see in California or really in the United States in general for Syrah is you will not see Syrah be called Shiraz in the United States. I mean, somebody might do it as an ironic sort of thing, but it's generally just Syrah. In South Africa, that's different. I'm very excited about an episode. We got an episode of South Africa coming up. Very excited about it. But in South Africa, it's both. It's really wild. Sometimes they call their Syrah Syrah, and sometimes they call their Syrah Shiraz. And I'm not sure if they use those two terms based on style, but I have to say that I've tasted Syrah from certain areas of South Africa towards the coast, and I've tasted Shiraz that's made further inland and the Syrah that I tasted, meaning like they labeled it Syrah, had more of a peppery vibe to it. And as I drank the Shiraz from a little more inland, it was a little more fruit forward. So there might be something there. I'm not sure. But I think it's very cool how they're like, you know what? We're going to decide what we want to do. You guys can figure it out. And we talk about South Africa. You're gonna, that's, that's a really great place. Some great wines coming out of there. So there's something to be said about both of these styles. The fruit forward style is soft and juicy and, and awesome. It's great with burgers and, and you know pizza. It also takes on this new kind of style. It's very interesting that started in the Northern Rhone in a place called Cote Roti, where they would blend a white wine grape called Viognier into the Syrah to soften it a little bit. In Victoria, in, um, in Australia, they do that as well. And it is just awesome. It's different than Cote Roti. And again, we're going to get into that in the, when we talk about the Rhone. That's a, that place is crazy. The, the, the Viognier Shiraz blends in Victoria, South Africa are on that awesome level. You can actually chill those wines down for about 30 minutes, drink them cold with pizza, burgers, all the stuff. And it is just awesome. And often when we talk in the wine world or in education, we talk about age-worthy wines. We talk, especially red wines, we're talking mostly about Cabernet Sauvignons. We talk about Bordeaux. We talk about Barolo. We talk about Burgundy. 
the, the thing is, Syrah can age 20, 30 years, and it can just evolve and get better and better. Even after it peaks, it's still really awesome. I actually read somewhere in the Oxford Wine Companion where Jancis Robinson tasted a 1961 Hermitage. I think it was it, at that point it was like 30 years old, and it tasted like a claret but had depth. Basically what she was saying was it was on level of a fine Bordeaux but with more depth. That's cool. That's what Syrah does. And actually, here's a fun little historical fact. In the 18th and 19th century, Bordeaux winemakers put Hermitage into their wine to give it more depth. (laughs) Really? So if you want to get into Syrah, I would say, wine lovers, you got some work to do, right? Because there's all different kinds. I mean, there's, there's these two major expressions of Syrah from the fruit forward to the savory craziness. And it can be anywhere in between. So depending on where you're grabbing the Syrah from, it's going to be different. So the cool thing about this is if you dig everything you've heard me talk about about Syrah, you can go out there and try to find the different ones and taste the different styles. You can even indicate to the wine merchant what style of Syrah you would like. You're like, you know, I want a more savory, peppery style Syrah, but I, but I don't want to buy a Hermitage. They'll know where to direct you. You're like, I want a soft, more fruit-forward Syrah, just not an Australian Shiraz. And they'll know how to direct you. Or I want a nice, focused Australian Shiraz that'll blow my mind, and they'll know where to focus. Get into it. Syrah. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pear headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pear. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pear, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pear staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Columbia Winery. As Washington's original premium winery, Columbia Winery proudly carries on a long legacy of discovering and celebrating exceptional Washington wine. Our rich history, as well as the distinct terroir of the great Columbia Valley, allows us to craft wines that embody Washington's unique spirit and curious nature. Columbia Winery offers a collection of rich and deliciously drinkable wines inspired by the diversity of Washington's best growing regions. Created through visionary winemaking and unrelenting curiosity, Columbia Winery.